Hey guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I'm your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Fun fact, did you know that it's been over 20 years now that Phil and Ted's has been helping parents adapt and survive each parenting day, making products that let us retain our sense of self and live our dynamic lifestyle with our 20s in tow. They make strollers and carriers and travel cribs and high chairs. They have a really wide range of innovative products that honestly, they really do make twin life easier. A few that I want you to look at, number one, the Voyager. It's an inline double stroller that's perfect for making the tightest of turns. Then I want you to scroll on over and check out the Phil and Ted's Lobster. It's a portable high chair that folds up small enough to fit in your handbag. And finally, look at their Traveler Travel Crib. It weighs only six pounds. Guys, that's lighter than a bag of potatoes. So to learn more, Head on over and visit our friends at fillandheads.com. Hey gang, it's Natalie Diaz of Twiniversity. I just want to give you a little heads up that this uh, podcast was taped before the COVID-19 outbreak. Um, So I just don't want you, like if you hear something in the episode, we don't want you to think that we were being insensitive. Our hearts, our thoughts, and every good vibe that we can muster are going out to you and your family during this difficult time. It won't be easy, but we will get through it. We are uh, an amazing team, right? Not only at Twiniversity, but as a country and as a world, we really got this. And our uh, sincerest appreciation goes out to all first responders and everybody who's out there on the front lines from our grocery store clerks to our people at the post office, literally, and everybody in between. We can't possibly thank you enough. So without further ado, Welcome back to Twiniversity. Hey, what are you doing over there? Welcome back to our Twiniversity podcast. Uh, buckle in, guys, because today we have a bumpy topic that you're really, really going to enjoy because this is something that, while not exclusive to parents of twins, we will always have this. Uh, hashtag singleton problems much they yeah they mm. don't they don't see this today we are talking about sibling rivalry oh my gosh it happens in utero sometimes even so today we're talking to dr megan hamway and she is a very fancy pantsy phd with uh in human development but most importantly while i love the credentials of our guests my favorite credential is that she's a mama of twins so without further ado, can I call you Dr. Megan? Is that good? You, you can call me Megan. That's fine. <laughs> okay, good. Sometimes, you know, it's always interesting. I like to call people doctor because I feel like if you've earned that, I feel like that's what people should always call you. Like it doesn't <laughs> matter. Like in the grocery store, it should always be Dr. Megan. I think when you work as hard as you do to get such an amazing degree, feel like you should just we should use it a lot I'll call you Megan for today but on our next podcast I'm just calling you Dr. Megan because it's fun okay sure. <laughs> oh my gosh so now you had your 20s a year ago or there is it past the year point 
A year and a week. You just had a birthday. Yes. Exciting one year. How, we made it. How did you do for the birthday? Because they really don't know it's their birthday. How are you coping? Now I like to um, therapize to the therapist, right? So how are you doing? Like a year has passed. When you look back on this year, taking your fancy doctor hat off, but putting your mom hat on, mm-hmm. how was the year? It was wild. That's the first descriptor I would provide. You know, it was a, just insanely fast. That's yeah. the only way to really describe it is I told someone a week ago, I can't believe they're turning one. I feel like I'm still pregnant some days. My back still hurts. My tailbone, my this, my that. Like, it's crazy to think it's already been a year. Yeah. So insane, weird, weird, weird fast. But oh my gosh, the best year ever. People always say that, and I I don't think that you could comprehend how fast time really does fly. And obviously, it's not flying faster than any other year of your life, but it's just so jam-packed with everything from healing from your pregnancy, both physically and emotionally, and then learning how to be a parent. There's so much involved in that first year that I always say the first year feels like 15 minutes. Yeah. And that's about it. And then, you know, it, it goes that fast for a few years and then it slows down creepily slow. And you're like, please just let this year end. I can't take yeah. it anymore. It's usually like that the first year of school because you have that transition and then it's the first year of middle school. And now I'm in it for the first year of high school. So I'm in another, yeah. please let this go a little faster. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could take it. Oh my gosh. Now, Megan, when we were talking about the different topics that we could, that you could cover. Cause seriously, we could speak about a million things. I mean, your right. not only your personal history, but your professional history really qualifies you. I can't even imagine. I just want to talk about crazy things you've seen, but I know we can't do that today, but I'm always fascinated by people that choose professions that deal strictly with other people. Mm. Like, I like that. You're like, you're not putting a cog on a wheel in a factory. Like you were the type of person that you're like, I, I know I have something in me that wants to save the world. Mm. Yeah. I think that that's always, and I'm, I'm wildly like your first year impressed with people like that. And then, you know, you get bamboozled with that second (laughs) embryo, that second bun in the oven. And here we go. So now with today's topic of sibling rivalry, let's put on your uh, your doctor's hat for a second because, you know, your babies are still little and mm-hmm. now they're very aware of each other. But for your, your you know, you're still getting your feet wet there. But when it comes to your patients that are coming in and maybe a mom's coming in and saying, you know, I I really, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to handle this or even just the people that are in your circle. When you're starting the conversation of sibling rivalry, is it always obvious that that's what it is? Not necessarily. So I really like to live under the notion that jealousy and rivalry is okay you should be okay with it and it's normal. Every single person at some point in their life is going to experience this. You will feel it, your cousin, your sister, your brother, everybody's gonna feel it at mm-hmm. some point in time. So first of all, be okay with it. I don't like it, you don't have to love it. You don't have to enjoy it. You just have to be okay that it exists mm-hmm. first and foremost, cause it's not going anywhere. 
It's something that will always happen. And no, it won't be obvious. And the reason behind that is jealousy in Mm -hmm. itself. And like jealousy and rivalry kind of are a little bit synonymous. Um, Jealousy is considered a complex emotion. So what that means is if you tell someone, you know, show me a happy face, you know, they smile, show me sad, they frown, show me jealous. They're like, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And so that is a complex emotion. It doesn't have a clear indicator of what it will actually look like to you. So that means for everyone, it's going to look different. So your jealousy might not be mine. Mine's pushing and shoving right now at home and somebody else's might be screaming and Mm -hmm. somebody else's might be going internal and kind of hiding and running away from the room. It's very different across every family. That is so true. I never thought about emotions that have no visual. Mm -hmm. Oh, that stinks. Because then you can't just be like, boom, that's what it is. It is so, it's so true. So it could present itself in in a million different fashions. So how can a parent kind of figure out that that's what's going on? And is that always the case? Because we, I think as parents of twins, we immediately go to sibling rivalry, no matter what Mm -hmm. it is. That's like our go-to when you don't have the emotional face, that's the go-to. So if Mm -hmm. a parent starts seeing their children present these symptoms of withdrawing and pushing and yelling. What are some of the things that they could do to help their children or maybe even help themselves recognize this as jealousy? So I have focused quite a bit in my research on the parent's role actually in all of this because the kids don't necessarily understand what's happening every single time Mm -hmm. and, and why they're reacting certain ways. I mean, Research does show that you can see jealousy in infants as early as six months old, which is crazy. And if you think about it, those are, you know, with singleton families for the most part where mommy holds the doll and the baby kind of reacts. Mm -hmm. And it's like, get me back mommy way. And the same thing could probably be said in the twin families mm-hmm. where I've seen myself holding my son or my daughter and the other one's kind of getting irritated by it. And again, yeah. exactly what you expect to see. So in the parents' role, what I typically focus on is differential treatment. Okay. Right? So a whole nother basket of topics. I'm so scared but, right now. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you know... It was my first concern finding out that I was having twins as a sibling researcher who Mm -hmm. studies jealousy and differential treatment. I thought, oh, no, now I have to walk the walk. I've been talking the talk that all of this exists and you have to be really careful. But now I'm having to actually do it. And it is 10 times harder than it actually seems. It is not truly possible to treat your kids the same. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. People don't get that. They, they, it's such a, that's so complicated and it's kind of a loaded statement Mm -hmm. because you're telling me, okay, I shouldn't treat them the same or it's okay to not treat them the same. We're pretty much everything that has ever been taught to us by society is that everything should be equal. Right. Right. So I like to think equitable, not equal. Okay. Right. I'm so into especially, this idea. 
Yeah. So, you know, equal, of course, like it makes sense. Like you is a high five, the same as a hug, Mm -hmm. you know? So as kids get older, they start to notice those things. So if you are treating the children differently for any reason, it's really good that you explain why, Mm -hmm. you know, why is it that my sister gets more brownie than me today? You know, well, she did really well on a test. And so we're giving her a little bit more today and you're going to do really well next week on whatever. And then you Mm -hmm. can get some more, you know, so explaining that. So how do you do that with younger kids? Not well. It doesn't go well when I tell my one-year-old, by the way, he's getting this and you're not. And they don't understand that. So that's more for the older (laughs) kids when they can actually pick up on what's happening. It's very difficult with the younger kids. Mm -hmm. I constantly am in my head. Did I, I, I wrote them letters for their birthdays. Every year I put it in and made it a plan. You know, I write them a letter and put it in a journal. They'll get it when they're older, when they won't care about it. When they're 15, you know, I'm waiting until they get, I Mm -hmm. get that reaction I want. So I made sure in my notes to them that I was saying similar things and using similar words and I just couldn't help it. Okay. And, you know, it's something that I, I try really hard not to make everything you know, crazy, crazy intense about the equality, but it's really the understanding because you are going to have, especially twin parents, mm-hmm. not every twin family has exactly the same health for each of their children. Yep. I had twins where one was two pounds bigger mm-hmm. and came home and the other was in the NICU for a month. You know, in those instances, you have to treat the children differently. They need different yes. things. And so it's needs. You have to take needs into consideration. Now, does sibling rivalry here? This is what I'm this. This actually has come up at Twiniversity. Hold on to your seat there. (laughs) Is it possible that while my children are breastfeeding, that they could exhibit jealousy? Sure. Why not? It's the, the way it comes down to it is. When you think of jealousy, it typically occurs in like this perfect little triangle, right? So there's mommy up here and baby A and baby B, you know? And so baby A sees that mommy is paying attention over here. Mm -hmm. Well, then baby B is going to want, but what about me over here? And then I'm going to be mad at mommy and then jealous of my sibling. Yeah. And then vice versa, or, you know, it goes in this really great little triangle where it's constantly like a teeter-totter of who's getting the attention. So, yeah, if you're breastfeeding over here and you're not tandem breastfeeding, mm-hmm. which, let's face it, is quite the feat. Yes, it is. It is Thank an amazing, amazing accomplishment for all those mommies out there doing that. If you can't be doing it and you're breastfeeding one and the other is watching, they might get a little peeved about it. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. They just get a different type of attention next yeah and maybe next time they can feed first or something else is happening with attention at that time you're tickling their feet or who knows they're getting something from you okay it's a little bit okay that's tough for a mom though that's that's really really tough and it's very hard to train somebody to accept that when for like i said literally forever you always try to be um equal now in, in twiniversity my big statement is it's impossible to be equal it's just i just try to be fair right that that's right. honestly that's that's literally all that i could manage on on most days but how do you fix jealousy 
So I really, I don't know that there's a fix for it per se. I think there's like a preemptive avoid if you can. Okay. I've definitely done research through adolescence, through emerging adulthood. You know, we're seeing the late 20s mm-hmm. where people still report feelings of jealousy of and still when it's about your parents. So I think that keeping those explanations mm-hmm. available and, you know, like you said, it's the fairness. It really does come down to fairness. Even in, in my studies, you know, if parents treat their kids differently and they see that, you know, they start to report jealousy, if they think that that's fair, that jealousy and those ultimate outcomes will go away. Mm-hmm. You don't see that as much. That as long as there's an understanding and and why that matters. So explaining that, you know, your sister has a health condition and she needs a little bit more from us right now. And that's just how it has to be. And I really appreciate your understanding, you know, whatever that conversation looks like. Mm-hmm. At whatever age, that's also dependent of age-appropriate explanations that you're more likely to see um, better outcomes in terms of jealousy, where it, it doesn't turn into jealousy more so. That doesn't ultimately, you know, change yeah. the outcome. They might think it's fair, and they might still be upset about it. They understand, but they don't like it. You can't really change whether or not the children are going to like it, yeah. but you can try to help them through that. It's, it's, I'm, I'm really like struggling with this because while I know what, when people are listening to this, I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, that's not possible. We can't do this and it's Mm -hmm. not going to work. And I want to present to you an interesting situation. Now, my husband and I, neither of us are twins. Clearly we had our twins, but my husband and I were raised as not the favorite child. Mm. And I always would think about that as I was raising my 20s and I would never quite say like I would never say I have a favorite child and I definitely have a favorite child but it goes minute by minute the favorite Uh one is the one that's nicest to me and that Uh like is like oh mom and I'm like oh I love you most so um (laughs) it really changes but what's interesting and that I want to kind of tell the people that are listening is that and this they they could have seen this in their own family that while there may have been sibling rivalry for them in their own homes, sometimes the proof is in the pudding of yourself. And so Mm -hmm. while we're like society is like, you can't do that, you can't do that. But if in your family, you were kind of the runt of the litter, I'm sure you're doing great. And therefore, you could see that, you know, if you weren't being treated equally, it's not always a negative outcome. That it really, and and, you know, people always see it as kind of a parent role and not as a person role. And they get so wrapped up into making sure that everything is equal because I think a lot of people also try to overcompensate because it's twins. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, you know, I knew if I had one baby that I would be doing this. So therefore we have to do this. And it's so much, it's so much of a struggle. So for those parents that are kind of in the eye of the storm, let's say around the two, three mark, right? Mm -hmm. So they're two-year-old, they're three-year-old. If they start modifying their behavior now, it's never too late, correct? Right. And so what do they start doing today? Like how could they recognize that maybe they are being you know, disproportionately nice to one or for no reason, like, obviously, like you said, if there's an illness or something, but what if you notice that you were gravitating 
towards one? Or how could somebody recognize that so they could start trying to have this equity instead of this, you know, majority of some person getting all of mommy or daddy's time? I think that's a really hard question. I like to ask. I've... I'm the Barbara Walters <laughs> of, of the twin podcasts. I don't know if you, but it's really true because like, what do you do? It's, How do it's you recognize like the million it? dollar question, yeah. you know, like it, I, I can own it. I have absolutely had days and weeks where even with my young babies, I felt like I just realized and I feel really guilty that I feel like I have been gravitating towards this one Mm -hmm. this week. And, you know, just internally, I kind of have a struggle with that where all of a sudden I feel like that's not okay. That's really wrong. And I'll really try to like overcompensate for it the next week and kind of give that week back to that other child. And is that the best solution? Probably not. So then after those two weeks are over, then I try to be as equal as I can for a while until the need comes up again, where I I don't think the solution is to immediately say, I've been terrible. Like you're not terrible. You're just being like, this is how it is. It just happens. Like one kid is coming up to me and snuggling in my lap and I love it. And I'm just going to snuggle you and that's fine. And the other is playing over there by themselves and they're not getting that snuggle. And that's okay. They didn't ask for it. They didn't want it. This child did go ahead and do that. I think trying really hard to overcompensate is putting so much pressure on you as a parent that it just makes it, 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 it makes it impossible. It's already as difficult as it needs to be with having twins and then maybe having more than twins, you know, for other families. Absolutely. Like it's a lot. I can't and even you can't imagine. I can't even imagine. I mean, I think about like how difficult our life is with just the two, but I, I have, we have members of Twiniversity that have multiple sets of twins mm-hmm. and then bonus singletons on top. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's big families. And then sometimes when I'm having a moment of struggle and I'm sure you do this too, but you're always like, it's just the two. It it is just the two. Like, thank goodness. It's just the two. And then I see families, oh, my favorite family, the Duggars. I talk about them too much. I should be related, but you see these ginormous families. And I wonder how the role of sibling rivalry plays in their family or is everyone just accepting that no one's getting any attention? <laughs> like, is it just maybe. like I resign myself to the fact that nobody's going to notice me? So I think about that, too, in previous generations, like in um, like our mom's generation, there was the children should be seen and not heard philosophy mm-hmm. of parenting. Yeah. And my mom is not like a serial killer or anything to, to that regard. So I always try... I try to bring that, that not that theory that I'm going to ignore my kids into my life, but I always try to remember that because it is the pressure. It gets oppressive right? when you're just trying to, to do your best and you're like, I can, and they're always fighting. So as the role of a parent, because I think that's fascinating how if we start early that <laughs> and we pay attention to our role in this sibling rivalry relationship, how, what is our role as a parent when we see that it's just horrendous? This is just a mess. It is a tornado in your house. Everything is happening. Nobody loves you. Nobody's happy. Everybody's miserable. How do we start 
to repair that? Go to the spa. <laughs> Take a little mini break personally because I think the intuition is automatically to, I need to jump in and fix everything right now. Mm -hmm. And kind of like with any problem, with any relationship, the solution isn't to start fixing it when you're mad. You should take a breath and make sure that if somebody's screaming and everything's going crazy, okay, take a beat, pause it for a second. We're going to circle back to this because you're still going to be mad about it in an hour, but maybe a little bit less mad. Yeah. And so trying to, I think that the solutions typically come when you speak to kids one-on-one -on -one and not try to put them in the same room at the same time and do like some kind of group moment with them yes. right like yes. because then they're just gonna say that's not true and you lied and that and then they just start going at each other again but if you can kind of try to get a perspective from one understand what's happening and then get a perspective from another kid who's fighting and say well that's so different from how yes. he understands it and now I see where the disconnect is then you can try to actually identify and help if you're just going in there saying, you guys need to stop right now, end of story, mm -hmm. that's not fixing the problem. It's just solving your headache. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a headache tomorrow too. <laughs> oh, oh, so we treat them more like criminals and, put them in <laughs> and we interrogate them separately. But it's really true because they will never, if, if you're in that eye, they're never going to give each other the respect to say their piece. Right. And so nothing, nothing comes out. It just right. I think eventually once you get there, like absolutely bring them together and, you know, have that conversation. Once you can feel that peace mm -hmm. kind of coming back, then you can bring them together and let them talk it out a little bit, you know, like a, a mediated talk it out yeah. versus you guys need to fix this problem. This is enough. That's when good. do you step in? Because there's, you know, what's funny that now in schools, they will tell you, you have to let the kids fail. You have yes. to just let them fail. And, you know, not that I was doing science projects for kindergartners. I think this is kind of where twin parents excel is because we're not, I mean, there are some people that are overachievers, but in general, it's so much maintenance to do everybody's homework that yeah. often we kind of, you know, we throw our hands up. They, they're where we could see them and, you know, you try to give them space, but I remember when I was younger that my parents were told that they had to help us with everything. Mm -hmm. And now the school philosophy is no, you can't because if you do not, if they do not learn how to fail, then it's this, the success isn't going to be as pure. Is right. this, is this a true statement and how could we apply this in sibling rivalry as far as just letting them go at it? Yes. So I believe in that as well. And I mean, there's a pretty good way of thinking about it. So flailing isn't failing, right? Just because you're kind of struggling, you know, I don't understand this concept. How am I doing this? What's happening? You know, that's not failing. That's learning. Mm -hmm. And so the same thing in jealousy and in any kind of relationship issue that you're seeing, flailing in that relationship struggling to connect and find a way to do it. That's not failing. That's learning to be a person. Like every single child is working on becoming a person. Mm -hmm. We're all trying to get them. They're trying to get them to be the best person they can. So the fact that they flail around means they're learning how to do it, how they can do it and how they can do it the best way they can be. It's tough though, 
Because it if is. your kid is flailing, it almost feels like, you know, a, a black check on you. Mm-hmm. Because how could my child be flailing? I could have been a better parent and they wouldn't be flailing. Yeah. It's weird. And I, I, I blame social media and I know that I'm in the eye of it, but if you ever notice on Twiniversity, we're actually super opposed to the, um, aspirational for an inspirational, like we're going with the inspirational. We're good, but we're, you'll never see a clean kitchen in our world. Yeah. It's just yeah. not happening. And so when we right. actually work with our partners and they're like, this is what we'd like. And we're like, yeah, we're not doing that because that feeds into this success failure situation mm-hmm. of parenting. Like, right. look, she has 11 kids and they're in Disney world and they're in matching yeah. t-shirts and right. everybody is happy. There's nothing stained and it's just perfection. And then yeah. we look at our reality and we can't even keep two kids corralled in a 10 by 10 playground and they're who's eating, you know, cat poop out of uh, the sandbox and the other one Always. is dangling by one paw off of the jungle gym. Mm-hmm. How could we as parents realize that letting them be is going to make them more successful? Like you were saying about the flailing. Yeah. But like how I get that and I, I know that people are going to hear that, but I feel like this needs to be pounded in because it's in front of you, this perfection and this, oh yes. And it, I mean, it goes back from like the Martha Stewart days is when everything took a turn for the worse. I feel, I feel like mm-hmm. once she hit the scene, it was just like, my mother's the worst mother in the world. I never had, <laughs> I never had mummy hot dogs for Halloween. Right. Right, she exactly. is a failure. My mother is a failure. So now our kids are going to have this, just like I had this Martha Stewart. How do we as a parent deal with um, letting them flail and being accepting of ourselves? Like how, how could we come to terms with that? Because it's so difficult. I think it's really hard in, like you were saying, in today's society with the social media and everybody sees those, you know, crazy perfect families, which you know, just means they picked a really great picture mm-hmm. is ultimately what it means. Cause I promise you those, that same family has about 70 outtakes where one sneezed, one had their finger up their nose, something was happening crazy that, you know, like it's, it's really not a model of perfection. And so it does paint like a toxic picture for everyone else, but they need to meet these expectations. I think in general for parents, you know, it's really, it's really hard regardless of what you do, but just that feeling of, of letting them fail, you know, and flail around is, is really challenging, but, you know, knowing that it's, you're not just simply saying like, Oh, figure it out and walking away. Like you're still there. You're, you're just not jumping in to immediately correct them and put the star in the right hole Mm -hmm. or to say, you know, that's not the right math. Like, let me just fix it for you really fast. It's so easy. And so automatic for us to just be like, here, I'll do it. Yes. You know, and like, I got it. I got it. I got it. You know, and at some point you kind of have to let that go because remember, like they're going to school, they're going to be out in society. And ultimately like we want to see all of our kids be happy, healthy, thriving adults. Mm -hmm. And the way they get there is by doing this. They're doing things on their own. And when they need you, you step in and the best thing for you is when they need you, they tell you, like they look at you, they give you that look. They say, I need help. I need this. Like Mm -hmm. you kind of wait for that. I need this. And sometimes that I need this is silent. 
you know, you see those, I, I did this when I was a kid. I was struggling so hard in one of my math classes and I did not understand the questions that, and the answers. And I would just well up yeah. with tears and the teacher would see that. And teachers are, are pseudo parents when we're not there. Mm-hmm. You know, so those same environments of seeing when they need you, but also hearing when they need you as well. It's, but, it's, it's really hard though. It like is, you just want to jump in. It means that you also have to be looking. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like when we talk about like sleep coaching, right? Like you have to watch your baby's cues more than anything else. Right. Because if they're freaking out, it's too late. And just like we can't settle ourselves to sleep. It's that same philosophy. You have to look for the pre-explosion. Right. Before the explosion occurs. And this is, it's just parenting. You know, right. like Megan is literally just parenting. You have to keep your eyes open. And I always also remind our university students, nobody raises their kids to live in their basement for the rest of their right. life. Like, our, like, keep this in mind, guys, because we do really have to make sure that they have all the tools in their toolbox with both good and bad people. So right. a lot of times people get so overprotective of bad, but you have to see bad. Because if right. you didn't see bad, how would you know what good is? Right, exactly. You need both sides of the coin. You totally. have to be able to see, this is terrible. This is great. This is the medium. You know, what, is, what does that look like? And I mean, don't get me wrong. My husband and I joke like, oh, I'm going to live with my son at college. He doesn't need anyone. It's just me. <laughs> yeah, because he's one right now. But when he's like <laughs> seven, eight to onward, I'm going to be like, okay, like you're good. I'm not going to fold your laundry anymore. Like I know that, but for now, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that. But you know, they, even now that like young for me, one years old, like they, they learn to go and do things on their own. I let them Mm -hmm. just go and play and be in the play area. Just, just go. You don't need me. You got this. Go explore, go do, and they'll fall down. And you know what? They learned. They learned. I can't climb on that. And then I'm not going to do it. I mean, they'll do it 20 more times, yeah. but it's a process. Yeah. And so just letting things kind of happen organically is, is great, you know, in a safe way, obviously, yeah. but obviously, yes. I totally recognize it is way easier said than done. Totally. Way easier. That's why I want to keep saying it. Cause I feel like maybe if we keep saying it, maybe people will eventually listen. Because I see the helicopter parents at the playground Mm -hmm. and what they don't realize, it's actually feeding into the sibling rivalry. Because if you keep intervening, it's going to be, it's going to be seen as favoritism. And then we're just perpetuating this, this cycle of malice. Like it's, it's just crazy town. So is there a problem or should we stop our kids if we see that there is a sibling hierarchy? I think that depends on if you're doing it or if they are. If the if, I mean, are, if you see that within their own little circle, right? So I'm standing over here, not helicoptering the kids. I'm looking at them from afar and I see that we have a clear leader in the group. Mm-hmm. Do you encourage that to happen or do you take pity on the child that is not the leader because maybe they won't have a chance to lead and that whole thing is happening there. What What do you do in that situation? I have that now with one-year-olds. <laughs> my daughter's very dominant. She's kind of been picking on my son, you know, pushing him and, and just kind of take control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously barring injury, I kind of let her just be her. 
and him be him because that's really been their personalities. Yeah. Like she's just really dominant and likes to go and do and, and be in charge. And I think it comes down to like, is this a personality characteristic or is this a dominance issue? Like okay. I'm in charge and you can't be. I think if they, if that's just who they are, let them be who they are and see how that's formulating. Does that maybe bring up the issue of, well, what if one is a leader and the other one wants to be a leader, but they're not letting them? Then I would try to work on that and introduce like, okay, well, that's a really great idea. Let's have some turn taking. Like, oh, nope, his turn, her turn, yeah. you know, and Again, everything, literally everything is easier said than done, (laughs) but something like that where you can try to redirect and maybe share those opportunities. And if that even means having, especially with twins, individual time, Mm -hmm. that's fantastic. You know, let them go out separately. Like I've taken my son to the city and my husband's been with the daughter and, you know, just played with him differently and shown him different things and let him guide and let her guide him, you know, and we, we try to split that up a little bit. So not only does that give them equal mommy, daddy time individually, it also gives them the opportunity to do different things outside of their sibling. Yeah. Which they're around all the time. It's so important that people realize that because if you were around your partner 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you might not have the healthiest of relationships. Yet we're asking our kids to do that. We're asking our twins, like, listen, we're sorry that there was an extra baby and now (laughs) this is just what happens. But those, you know, those dates that you go on are so important. And you know what? It's not only the parents, by the way. This is such a good opportunity to involve grandparents, aunts, uncles, godparents. I mean, there is literally a community that is dying to do things with your children. Mm -hmm. And sometimes... And I'm not going to say that most of our listeners are type A, but I do feel like they probably are because that's <laughs> who listens to, you know, Betterment podcasts typically. Who will have the twin parents yeah, become, even if they don't want to. Yeah, we're, we're, we're all a little type A, but let him, let him loose. Let somebody, you know, have a kid and just take him out. And that definitely could ease that steam because what you said before is if you're in the eye of the storm, the first thing you do is remove yourself from the situation. The longer you might be removed from the situation, the more clarity you're going to have on what just happened. So Mm -hmm. if you have, you know, if your partner's like, yeah, let me take the one out, right? So we always used to joke that another like golden rule of twins is never leave the house without a baby. Just take one because Mm -hmm. taking one and Megan, I know you know this, taking one is not, it's like you don't even have a baby. When you just yeah. take one out, it feels, it feels like, like what's happening. It's, it's honestly, I, and then this is why I don't have many friends that are, have singletons and it's a bad thing of mine. It's a problem. But when I'm out with one kid, it's not twice as easy. It's like literally a vacation. Yeah. So don't be yeah. afraid to have that because it also will give you the clarity on the insanity of the situation that you're living in. It Mm -hmm. gives that one child the opportunity to um, have that one-on-one time with the parent. But it also, I mean, there's so many benefits to it. And I'm so happy that you just said that. So I want to reiterate a few things that you said today just to narrow it down. So because we've been everywhere because there's so much that I could talk to you about. Because like I said, like your brain is the brain that could mostly benefit a twin parent. On, on both sides, professionally and personally, right? Because you're, you're going through it. And I cannot wait 
till the kids are three and we have another conversation and you're oh, like, boy. <laughs> I knew it wasn't going to be easy. It's not All right. easy, but it's possible. So it, nothing is easy. And some of the most difficult things like getting your PhD, some of the most difficult things are the most worth it. And yeah. this is going to be something that's going to be worth it. So yeah. what you said, and tell me where I'm wrong, because I like to, to kind of sum it up for our listeners, is if you're in the eye of the storm, the first thing you do is remove yourself and give yourself, you know, a mommy, a daddy, a grandma timeout. And that's okay as long as everybody is safe. Okay, safety yeah. first, first and foremost. Secondly, when it's time to throw yourself back into that universe, I am going to separate the criminals and I'm going to put them in separate rooms, not because anybody did anything wrong, just because people will have an opportunity to speak without being spoken over. Right. But if you are not watching and you are not listening, none of this will be successful. Right. Yes, absolutely. So we could technically get ahead of sibling rivalry if we recognize what our child's sign of jealousy is. Because there is no facial, see, look, I bring it all back. I'm good. I take, I really take very good notes. <laughs> I, I, I am a good note taker if I'm anything. But we need to recognize what the visual cues are of our twins because jealousy presents itself in a multitude of ways. Right. So you may have a biter and you may have a runawayer. Mm -hmm. So what way does your child present jealousy? And then once you notice that or you recognize it as a situation of sibling rivalry, of jealousy, of whatever, then it's our job to keep our eyes open to see what's happening that caused that and perhaps have our eyes open wide enough to prevent that from happening next time. Right. How'd I do? I think that was fantastic. That was I'm so really proud good. of myself. That yeah. was my that was my thesis. Great. Of the the semester course that we've just taken together. Degree granted. I love it. And I do love that as twin parents, we're like, wrap it up. Just tell me. Just tell me how to fix this today. <laughs> I can't take I it anymore. We're Believe me, I went into a dark hole of trying to find sippy cups online last night, and I was not successful. Why? I need to listen to more podcasts and then Again, really I have, reach out. I, I literally wrote that piece. I have the best sippy cups for kids. I have, oh, we have a whole I need article. to do a better deep dive. Uh, no, don't, because that's the thing is that everybody goes in and you get into the the vortex of Amazon and you spend $300 and then you return $280 of it. Yeah. I do love me some Amazon returns. I actually yeah. Googled how many returns I could do without getting like, you know, totally cut off from Prime. Yeah. Totally. I have a problem. I definitely have. Pro <laughs> I love to return things. I have three returns right now that I'm looking at. I can't wait. And I probably have five things downstairs. I return the majority of items, but that's a thing. For sippy cups, <laughs> that I got you. I may not be able to handle sibling rivalry, but holy crap, Ola, I got the lock on sippy cups. Like, that's my jam. We I like to do I'm my going there right after You this. need to. You need to. <laughs> and by the way, the takeaway is if you could spring for the Contigo, that's what you spring for. Because those will last you seven years. And Contigo also has replacement tops. So if you lose one or break one, they're like $4. So this is why you're the twin guru. It is. Well, no, it's, but see, it's not the twin guru. It's called trial and error. I have lived, <laughs> I have, I've had one year olds.
And now I have the benefit of having 15 year olds. Ugh. And that's all I have to say about this period of time. So why, that's what Twiniversity is about. Twiniversity is not reinventing the parenting wheel because you happen to have an extra bun in the oven. That's what we're about. And I'm so appreciative that you took the time out of your day, like seriously, to talk to us. And I know there's going to be follow-ups to this conversation. So guys, if you have any questions for Dr. Megan, which is what I'm going back to calling her because I think she deserves it, especially for all she's done for us today, for God's Mm. sake. Although I feel that the Contigo tip probably was payment for this conversation. I've saved saved you a lot of time. But if you have questions for Megan, you could email us at community at twiniversity.com and we could get them to Dr. Megan and she could be like, okay, here's the situation. Here's what we need to do. But really, like, honestly, it's you have so much fun stuff coming up and don't put your doctor hat on too much. Because I do know that our fancy families with their PhDs tend to really overanalyze. And where mm-hmm. I think we have it bad, you guys, I never want to live in that brain. Because you're literally, you're, you're clinically analyzing your children. Could you just yes. stop? So Every day. I try so hard, but you have 100%. To. If, you need, if you need a gender, put a rubber band on your wrist and snap it every time you <laughs> feel every time you feel yourself going into the PhD vortex. Don't do it. But I, yeah. we, I really, I, I love that, you know, that your specialty is siblings. And I know we're going to come knocking on your door again. So get ready for that. Especially now that I know you have a good connection and great hair. I mean, honestly, this so it's a win. This is a win, win, win. Thank you. <laughs> so guys thank you thank you very much dr megan and until next time guys you know how to find us we're literally everywhere you can't go too far all you got to do is google twiniversity you could even google natalie diaz twins i pretty much come out and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast because we really do we have a lot of great content and it isn't for me although yes i do use our guests as my own therapists all the time and people mm-hmm. say that on itunes i'm actually okay with it and i encourage everyone to start your own podcast to get free therapy it's a really great way it's a great way to do it so just follow us at twiniversity on everything in the whole universe and if you're currently expecting don't forget that we have our online twins class that is available 24 hours a day seven days a week and in new york city chicago and houston and if you're breastfeeding we got you covered there too and please also another thing that kind of comes up if you're in the eye of the sibling rivalry storm know that you really aren't alone twiniversity's got you covered not only with great content on our website website but we also have a mentorship program that we can match up with another parent anywhere in the world so don't hesitate so for more information email us at community at twiniversity.com we'll shoot you over some links and until next time guys see you later alligators